Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Open the Box to Think Outside of It. I am your host, Randall, and I am accompanied by my co-host, the amazing, the incomparable, the super intelligent, uh, Rody. Rody, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. I hate when you hype me up like that because then I always screw <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you kick ass, man, every week. Every week you kick ass. Today... I'm letting you know this is going to be a really fun subject today. Today we're going to be talking about some comedy. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the things that, that we like, its influences on society. Again, we're going to open the box on comedy and we're going to be thinking outside of it. So we're going to talk a little bit about maybe even the science of comedy and kind of uh, how it works in context. And we'll be talking about a whole bunch of different things involving the subject. So it's going to be really interesting today. Uh, let's start here. Rody, who are your top five comedians? People who you are like? Your favorites. All right. So no particular order. Dane Cook, Daniel Tosh, Louis C.K., Donald Glover, Bo Burnham. And honorable mention, even though I feel like he shouldn't have to be mentioned because he's just legendary, Rodney Dangerfield. But you said top five, but he's just – he's upper echelon, so. Uh, Well, understandable. Uh, Top five – uh, is way different than that. Uh, I have Dave Chappelle, George Carlin, George Carlin, Kevin Hart. How can you not? You know, uh, Hassan Minaj, and Chris Rock. No particular order either. So, uh, and I like them all for for different obvious reasons. You know, but I those are my top five. I have I have several honorable mentions. Um, Sarah Silverman being one of them on on a surprising list. Uh, Ali Wong is, is up there, uh, but more so, of course, Eddie Murphy uh, and Michael Che. Even though he's done like you know, I think one, maybe two, like standups that I've seen. Uh, but I know he's done more than that. But I, you know, what his presentation I like, and of course, I mean, you have uh, Trevor Noah, observational but charming with his observations. He has a very interesting style. That list gets an honorable mention for me. Not bad. Solid list. Solid list. Thank you. Thank you. Talk. Why did you choose these individuals as your top five? So let's give a breakdown because I know you like them all for different reasons, correct? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The Dane Cook one is going to be the one that, you know, I kind of shrug my shoulders and shake my head at. But at uh, the same time, I respect your choices and I respect your decisions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is a callback to uh, the second podcast, which, you know, selfless plug, you guys should go listen to. But you said when you first met me, you thought I was a quote unquote asshole. And somehow or another, like during that collegiate experience, like I was introduced to Dane Cook and the way he talks and like acts and delivers his his punchlines, I feel is very reminiscent to how like I converse with people and regale them with my stories. So I felt (laughs) I felt a camaraderie with his humor just because of like his sheer deliverance, the way he would just say things like it was just. He would have so much gusto with it. Like, he's not necessarily, like, the funniest of the funny. It was just, I loved his delivery. It may not have always been, like, the greatest punchline, but when they hit, they hit. Mm. <laughs> yes. Okay. Gotcha. I respect that. Oh, uh, Daniel Tosh. It's weird with him. For the sole fact, he reminds me of the writer Jack Kerouac. His, mm. his joke telling is like stream of conscious like he'll go from one thought to another to another to another and sometimes like 
you think to yourself, like, most comedians, like, they kind of weave a story, like, they'll start at point A, and that joke will kind of lead into the second one, and that second one will lead to the third joke, until you end your whole set. With him, like, he'll, he'll talk, he'll say something funny, and then, like, he'll just stop and just say something else that's complete 180 from what he is conversing about. And it's just ridiculous how he does it deadpan. Like, he just, he has such mastery of his emotions that makes it funnier. And I also appreciate that he can kind of just talk about anything. A lot of comedians, that's why, actually, I love the profession. I think it's very respectable. They have, like, such a tough job. Not only do they have to make people laugh for a living, they also are kind of, like, obligated to talk about everything and almost make the things that are seen as negative positive to make it funny. Not necessarily positive, but make it comical. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. Let's see. Next guy, Louis C.K., same thing. Like, Before you go into Louis C.K., I want to start by Daniel Tosh for a second. Just give my little commentaries on that. I always looked at Daniel Tosh when I look at the show Tosh.0. I know we're talking about stand-up mostly, but when I look at the show like Tosh.0, I really think that Anthony Jeselnik could have done it better. I'm just saying, it's just my opinion. Let's put that out there. They both have the same type of delivery that I feel like they are both Mm -hmm. interchangeable, but I also wouldn't Mm. take Tosh.0 as definitively of, like, Daniel Tosh's measure of comedy. I feel like with that, it's just like, oh, here's a video. Let's just make a snide comment about it. Where his yeah, jokes, yeah. like, they have a little more development. It's it's hard to explain. You'd have to actually watch his stand-up. But they're, they're two different worlds. But I, I concur with you. I think Anthony Jeselnik, he's got that, that dry, very straight to the point that he could easily mm-hmm. do a video clip show of that nature and it would still be relatively successful. Right. So yes, we're at Louis CK. Louis CK. Oh, I don't, there's just so many things about his standup that I just, I admire. He like, he's self deprecating, which reminds me a lot of Rodney Dangerfield, which I think might be one of the main reasons why I appreciate him. Like, when he talked about the way he ate cinnamon rolls or, like, all that crap, or he's just like, you don't eat a cinnamon roll and feel good about yourself. Like, you eat that and you feel like shit. And it just mm. – it resonated as, like, a thick boy. <laughs> you, you just kind of relate to these things. But he just has such <laughs> a delivery, and he's another comedian that's – he's, like, willing to touch upon, like, certain subjects that might necessarily – Oh, but I'm sure – I get it. <laughs> Come on, we, we could. I mean, we, uh, we couldn't dance around it, man. Uh, like, well, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Sexual misconduct—it's—it it's, is frowned upon. But again, that's one of those things that, like, yes, it did happen. But as a comedian, I feel like it can be something that could be joked about. It's—it's it's not a joke, but you could always try as a comedian to make light of these situations. Because mm-hmm. to reflect back on like Daniel Tosh, I had a um, a girl that I used to date. And she despised him as a comedian because I, I said, hey, I like this guy. And she's like, oh, no, he talks about rape. And I was like, OK, he talks about everything. And she's like, well, I was raped. And I was like, well, damn, I'm glad you brought this up. I won't bring it up again. And we're just not going to watch this funny clip I was going to show you. But the crappy things that do happen, it's good to see that they can kind of like put a spin on it sometimes and almost – shed a light on it to bring like notice to these horrible things and make it more approachable. 
you know, I was going to get into this much later on, but like there's a certain level of it, 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 a certain level of experience, right? For a lot of these comedians, when they talk about these certain topics, you, you may think that this person's insensitively saying something about a subject. However, you don't know what their life experiences are and what they've gone through. Right. Yeah. That kind of also, you know, that, that that's something that they've kind of like also maybe used the joke to kind of come to grip with certain, certain situations that happen in their own lives. Um, so, you know, like, you know, you'd be you'd be surprised. I don't, you know, as I said, I don't know Daniel Tosh's life, and I don't know like if he's been a victim of any type of like sexual misconduct. But at the same time, like, you know, like you you don't put it past anybody. At the same time, you know, if, if it's done with a level of like, I'm not gonna say taste, but if it's done in a level where it's like, I guess it has to be done tastefully, obviously. But yeah, if it's done with the main point isn't to to put down somebody who has been through these experiences mainly to shed a light on something then you know it, it definitely said it definitely sends a different message um sometimes that message isn't always heard but yeah i definitely hear that yeah absolutely um so all right so we've we gone through two of the gamut right so, uh, you actually said, three. Uh, so now now we're three? on to the the last two donald glover that dude is a triple threat as he usually says He's an actor, comedian, singer. Like, the dude is just, he's a gem. Everything that that guy touches turns to gold. And, like, his stand-up to date, I think I can almost quote weirdo verbatim. Please don't test me on that, but there are certain aspects of that entire stand-up skit that, to this day, still leave me in tears. I almost quote it whenever people bring up certain topics brought up within that entire segment. He's just yeah. his delivery and his just his charisma is just it's so immaculate that it's it's hard to not laugh at it. And I it just it's 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 amazing. It's, it's got me stuttering. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's, it's funny because I like I know him and I like him as, as his role as an actor and comedian. I'm mean, an actor and musician. Um, when it comes to his comedy style, I think he, I mean, I think he's good. You know, I, I definitely appreciate him. I, I appreciate him. Um, but I think he's one of those, to me, a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, but at the same time, like just so, I mean, as you say, so dynamic, right? So, so personable. I, that's one thing. I, that's one thing that I like about him. He's so personable. Like you can see like there's, so, there's a level of charm. That comes that, that exudes from him, especially when he's doing some type of stand up. And he like there's a connection that he kind of like. I mean, I, I can imagine being in in, 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 in the crowd when, when he's performing, you know, uh, like, you, you know, it almost feels like there's like there's this um, unspoken connection that you have with him because it emanates through the screen. So I can imagine being there live with him. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, my last comedian is Bo Burnham. Like, he's, he's funny, but what I appreciate most about his comedy is just the level of skill it takes to do what he does. Like, he's not only telling jokes, he's playing music, and he's finding a way to blend the two into something that's harmonious, but also delivers that punchline. And he just, he had such a mastery of it that it felt like many other people that have, made, have done these things didn't hit the nail on the head, but he did it just miraculously. Mm. 
that's a very very interesting top five, you know. And I'm glad that you were able to come out with those those characters because I, I know for a fact that you know in any mainstream list those weren't be, those wouldn't be the people that you would consider as a top five. Uh, so I respect those choices, and I think that you know, although you know, my personal feelings about Dane Cook aside, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say they're personal. I feel like most people kind of feel that way. And it's sad to say, like, he, he had some decent material, but, you know, do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Rody, I mean, if you were on stage, and I'm not saying this because I'm biased, I just think that you're legitimately funnier than Dane Cook, you know? I think that you, I think you make more people laugh than he does. But uh, I know, no, he does have certain jokes. I think the B&E joke, the breaking, answering, bacon, eggs joke is funny. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that's his classic one. I think that's the one he's most known for. Uh, am, am I wrong on that? Is there anyone that's more um, famous than that one? Well, no, there's the, um, I believe it's from the same stand-up. It was uh, him going and traversing through the movie theater and stepping on something sticky. And when they're like, what's that sound? He's like, I just came. Say you're snickering. So it's just like, oh, he can't be that bad. He's out here climaxing in movie theaters. We used to frown upon that. Thanks, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> oh, I was just about to make the Pee Wee Herman reference myself. You beat me to it. Good, good, good. See, we're talking about beating things. Like it's just going to be a downward spiral from here. Yeah, it basically is. If uh, if this if you thought that this uh, podcast was not going to consist of masturbation humor, then turn it off right now. But see, you judged out. me about Louis C.K. That's what he did. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, too soon? Well, too soon? You know, <laughs> all right. Let's go into my top five, and I think that's going to help save <laughs> conversation. It's going to help put some context in, into light. Thank goodness for Dave Chappelle on this list, because he's about to validate this whole shit right now. Um, let's go with... I'll start with Chris Rock. I think Chris Rock is someone who I grew up with. Chris Rock was a comedian that... I know, you know, I know... I. I Knowing like knowing the the narrative about what people say about his voice or whatever, how it could be off. I mean, that's you know, people have a shtick, and I think that's his, right? Like, you know, you know when it's Chris Rock when he's delivering a joke or his voice or his elongation of a word, excuse me, his elongation of a word. Um he to me, he's you know, he's hilarious. And I think something about him, there's something about him that's defiant. Something about him that is topical, always topical, oh, and also timeless. I can, you know, I can turn on, um, you know, I could turn on bigger and blacker tomorrow and still, you know, bust a gut laughing because he's not only in that time period, but he also speaks to a to a broader audience. And you know, there is certain things that you know he he does and he says that, you know, just funny you know like it's like oh it's funny but at the same time like if you grew up in that type of environment or if you grew up you know if you were grew up in brooklyn in the 90s if you grew up in brooklyn in the 80s you grew up in you know anywhere in in in, in urban new york city then you can definitely have a good time listening to this joke and the best part about it is you don't have to grow up during that time to kind of make light and make fun of it you know so on a macro perspective people find this like ridiculous on a micro perspective, when people who are living and experiencing some of the things that he's gone through, uh, you're like, wow, that, 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 that slaps, that really hits, you know? So, uh, Chris Rock is one of those comedians that, 
you know, what my very first favorite comedian, let's just say. He is a good uh, one. Like, he is a good one. Like, he, he may not be my top, but he is still, like, damn commendable. He is very respectable. I love his work. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, Tambourine was hilarious. Did you see, did you see Tambourine? Um, you know what? You can drop names. I have to, like, actually hear the stand-up to remember it. His, 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 the last one he came out with. Pro- the most recent probably one. Probably not. Within... Probably not. Okay. I, I don't know. I would, I would say that's one that you have to watch probably multiple times in order for you to appreciate it. The first time I saw it, I thought it was cool. The second time, and subsequently after that, I found it funnier and funnier. Uh, so that's something that you know I liked after seeing multiple times. I mean, and you know, you know, you tell me what you think. You watch it uh, if you know if you have a chance, Rody, throughout this week. Take take a look, take a gander, and uh, hopefully, you know, maybe next week you can come up with your answer and tell me what you thought of it. Absolutely. Uh, let's go with Kevin Hart next. Uh, Kevin Hart, you know, I, I would say Kevin Hart is of the quote unquote mainstream, right? I think that he is funny. Um, over the years, he's become safe, um, kind of like the the, the feel good comedian almost, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, he's that that guy that like, everybody's like, yo, you need somebody that's going to just make you just laugh very quickly but not really have much substance. I got you. Because yeah. he'll just scream his jokes at you, and it'll sound funny because he's just saying it very loudly. Oh, I mean, when he was talking about his dad and, uh, you know, parent-teacher conference and coming, you know, you know, coming with no boxer shorts and showing off his long dick, you know what I mean? That was hilarious, dude. Like, there's no, you know, there's... He's he's funny being himself. And I think one thing that is, I would almost, <laughs> this is going to be controversial, um, comparing him to that Dane Cook type of character. Conversationally <laughs> funny. Like, <laughs> conversationally funny. Something like, oh, I'm dynamic. I'm out there. I'm going to just let you have it. Um, but at the same time, you know, and the comparisons have been made to him and Cat uh, Williams. Cat uh, Williams is another comedian that's 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 up there. He has his own flavor, his own taste, his own delivery style. However, like the the context of the jokes and the you know the physical appearance similarities, right, where they can laugh about their height, and, you know, like. Well, it's there. Yeah, it's, you know, no, no, they they are very much similar. But I feel like, and I and I've addressed this with you several times, like. I could try to appreciate Cat Williams, but, like, he curses so much that, like, I, I don't pay to watch these things. So, like, all I hear is beep, 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 punchline. It's just like, did you just tell it to me in Morse code? What What's going on? Like, I don't get it. And then I was like, oh, he dropped the N-word, and you're not allowed to say that on Comedy Central. So, unless it's, like, after a certain hour, and at that time, like, I'm going to sleep. So, like, I, I can't necessarily appreciate Cat Williams. With Kevin Hart, like... He's funny. I, I like him, but I feel like before he got famous, he was funnier. And then, as you said, I think I, like he's that comfortable guy. He's that guy that just he found his niche and he just kind of went with it. Well, so there's actually a reason for this. And throughout, like you know, I guess when I was doing a little bit, the little bit of research that I could do this week, uh, I ran into an interview where they were talking about my favorite comedian, Dave Chappelle. Um, We'll talk about that subsequently. But when we were talking, like when we were just talking about Kevin Hart himself and the type of comedian that he is now, 
he talks about himself in relation to Dave Chappelle. And he talks about how he has to not only think about himself, but think about the brand that he's kind of created now. Like now it's no longer about just Kevin Hart. He makes a controversial joke. His entire brand goes down. And the, the thing that he thinks about is the people that he's trying to bring up. So his reputation is based on the reputation now of others. So now he, he kind of, he's not all in it for himself anymore. Now he's looking to pay it forward, if that makes any sense. Well, no, it does. My question is, when did that interview occur? Because was that before or after like he was denied the ability to host, what was it, the Emmys or the Oscars or whatnot? No, it, 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 was, it was after 846. So after Dave Chappelle YouTube special. Okay. Because like it would make a lot of sense that he would make that claim. Because didn't he get like a ton of flack for saying something like, oh, that's gay, like 10 years ago on Twitter. And then like they revoked his ability to host some type of prestigious award ceremony because they were like, yo, he's homophobic. And it was just like, no, he said this like years ago out of context. And now you're just looking at it because you don't want him to do it anymore. Dave Chappelle makes a joke about that very same scenario uh, in Sticks and Stones, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we'll talk about that. We'll get back to Kevin Hart. We'll get back to Dave Chappelle. Let me just first go through Hassan Minaj, then George Carlin, then I'll go into Dave Chappelle, and then how he basically brings that to light. The very same situation about Kevin Hart getting denied for the Oscars. It was, it right? was Oscars. I, I, again, I don't remember okay. necessarily. Well, I remember it was, it I mean, was a he, hullabaloo about like him tweeting something that was anti-whatever, and it caused like a giant Kevin, storm. Yes, Ke- Kevin did one where I, he did one and then was not able to do the other. I forgot which one it was, but um, I'm pretty sure somebody. I mean, if you want, if if you want, while I while, while I discuss this, we could look that up and you know provide actual context. Um. So let's talk about Hassan Minaj really quick. I think one thing about uh, Hassan Minaj, I like his style of comedy. I think he's he's a great roller coaster. Mm-hmm. He he's amazing because he's a storyteller, and you can tell that's his style. Um, and what what you, what you were saying about like Dan Cook resonating with you because you had that certain type of uh, level of comedy, uh, like style, like that style of comedy where like you deliver it almost similarly to he do- how he does. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm the same way, especially when it comes to my poetry, when it comes to anything, when it comes to my rap, when it comes to any, any anything I deliver, I deliver it in a story. Uh, so I love the way that Hassan delivers this story, where ha ha ha, like you're you know you're brought up with this laughter, then you go down, and then it goes into this like very serious, very deep conversation, and then he takes you back up, and then you ride in this roller coaster along with him, um, but essentially he's telling you this story that you start somewhere and then you finish here. And something about him that's very, you know, in- incredible is the fact that, um, you know, he he brings it. Like, he tells you where he stands and what, what the life is of somebody who is in his predicament is. So even though I'm not particularly, um, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, Muslim, Middle Eastern, or anything like that. Even though I do often get compared or get like you know by straight up appearances, you know, like compared like oh like are you? I'm like I'm not, but I, I'm very appreciative that you said that because you know I said like you know I said having this exact you know being 
that's a, you know, like it's not an insult to be considered something else or somebody or like if somebody if you think somebody is like the same race as you or whatever, somebody starts speaking to you in their language, they're not trying to insult you. They're trying to connect with you. So I always look at it as um I always look at it as a good thing. So when he goes, you know, and when he talks about his life and you know, like even the subtle nuances between things that we don't know about, like um different different style different levels of like muslim or like when you go hindu right when you go the hindu muslim dynamic there is like there is some some deep-rooted um stuff there you know what i mean and then you get but you get a chance to see it almost in a microcosm of how he explains it um his his conversation his jokes um or yeah i, I can't even call it a joke right like his narrative about like what happened to his dad post 9 11 or how he responded to something that was so deep and heavy it, you know, it was one of the catalysts and one of the sparks for for Hassan Minaj clearly to be who he was and to and the fact that he has that voice and that platform, he he does amazing things with that. Um, it, for those of you who have not listened to Hassan Minaj, I completely recommend it. I know I haven't said about the, the comedians prior because if you listen to a funny comedian, you're gonna listen to a funny comedian. But he is someone who educates you as you're as you're going, you know, as you're going through the journey. So there's, if there's something that you don't know about about anything like, you know, about the dynamic of 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 you know people of color or people in the Middle East or anything like that, he kind of brings that here to the United States. So that's very interesting. Um, George Carlin, my God, I mean George Carlin is a catalyst for a lot of comedians, and that's very clear. Like. George Carlin has always been this social commentary comedian. He is, time, he is timeless. He is very much timeless. <laughs> timeless. <laughs> timeless. Hilarious. Um, things that he says today, things he said back then applies to everything that's going on today. Like there is nothing, there is nothing about George Carlin that is that is disingenuine. That is like, he tells you what he thinks on stage every time, you know, where he stands, whether it be about airplanes, whether it be about religion, whether it be about politics, whether it be about like, you know, where he is at every moment in his, in his standup. And the fact is, I mean, the one thing that I love about him is that he gets up and he knows the moment that he hits the stage that he's much smarter than his audience is. <laughs> and I fucking love that. Does that does that make any sense, Rody? Well, no, it, it does. Like a lot of times, you don't want to come off so facetious where it's just like I'm smarter than you. But I think it was a matter of just how he carried himself. He carried himself with confidence. It was a matter of, look, you could have these opinions. I could have my opinions. I'm gonna tell it how I perceive it and how you take it. Then you take it. At the end of the day, I'm still gonna get this paycheck. I'm still gonna tell my jokes. You still paid to hear my jokes. If you're offended by this. Maybe I'm not the comedian for you. And if he loses a fan, he loses a fan. But at the end of the day, he did what he had to do. I, again, another no, timeless no. classic. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, like, when George Carlin took the stage, whatever you believed in, for whatever, like, for that hour, hour and a half that you were listening to him, you were a fucking atheist, man. Like it really it was crazy. Like he had you really believe. Like the thing is, he gave you so much fact, right? Or gave you so much, um, like so much truth in his like comedy that you're like, I mean, I can't really argue with what you're saying right now. Like I can, I can understand why you would say what you're saying, or I can understand why you were thinking what you're thinking because 
basically what he's telling you. Like, and and and, and amazing. Like at, at a certain point, almost almost like to a T, he knows when to go from like something deep rooted and something like very dense. He goes and he goes right down to these are little life experiences that we all experience every day. So just things that make us a normal human. And he makes just fun about surface level shit. And he's so good at that. That's why I saved Dave Chappelle for last. When I talk about Dave Chappelle, I'm basically talking about our current times, black George Carlin. Yeah. There is, you know, he is giving us his truth. He is giving us universal truth through his comedy sometimes. Like, there are things where it's just his opinion. Like, the whole, um, you know, like his whole trans argument. Oh, the it's alphabet community? The alphabet community. Yeah. It's, a whole compelling, it's a whole compelling argument that he's giving through his comedy. Nobody else is, is going to take that on. There is no comedian unless they are transgender themselves, that is going to take on that topic. Dave Chappelle does that. Whether for better or for worse, right or wrong, I think to a certain extent, right? Because, you know, to a certain extent, in a time where, you know, we're fearful of saying what is truly on our minds about certain things, and not to say, like, you know, like, I have a problem with transgender individuals. No, I don't. Not, not at all. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, of course, I believe, you know, like, you know, I believe, as I was telling you offline, Brody, like, you know, like, I can be more tolerant than anybody else, you know, like, that's my, that, that's my role in this. I'm very, I, I try to be as tolerant, I try to listen to everybody's opinions, thoughts, because they come from a place, they come from a certain place where, they, you know, it comes from, like, you know, deep-rooted parental, like, you know, parental influence, or it comes from your environment, or it comes from, there, it comes from somewhere, you know, from, whether it comes from experience, even. It comes from somewhere. So, um, you know, I take a look at, you know, I, I take, but I do know, I mean, I'm not naive to the fact that there are a lot of people who feel uncomfortable with transgender people or feel uncomfortable about the conversation of transgender people. Um, there has to be someone who, who at least puts it to light where you're able to either get some context on it and get like more knowledge. And I think they've, you know, I think that's what Chappelle is doing. He's giving you more knowledge on something that, that's actually a taboo subject. It feels taboo, doesn't it? Well, that's the the great benefit of having comedians are they have that platform where their job is to make light and joke about the things that are happening, whether it's like in their everyday life, in society, whatever it may be. And they're able to touch upon subjects that like most people might be hesitant to talk about. Like we were talking about Kevin Hart before, right? How he was like one of your, your top five. And we were talking about how, like, he was denied this ability to host an award ceremony. And when I looked it up, it said, like, around 2009 to 2011, like, he was going back and forth on Twitter with the LGBTQ community making jokes about, like, what if his son was actually gay? And he made reference to, like, how he'd break the dollhouse over the kid's head, how one person's, like, profile pic was basically, like, a gay billboard for AIDS. And he went on this huge tirade, which they held against him, uh, I believe, hosting the uh, the Academy Awards. And it caused like this huge uproar. But sometimes when you cause an uproar, that causes people to talk about matters that 
that need to be discussed. And it could be literally juxtaposed to what's happening in our everyday lives. It was horrible what happened to George Floyd in Minnesota. Look at how many people are talking about it. We're almost a full month later. People are still protesting. People are still going out of their way to get change in New York. Governor Cuomo mentioned how they were looking to make reforms and such. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know what? He may touch upon these subjects, but I feel like comedians are the best way to do it because they'll bring it up in such a comedic matter, in a comedic manner, rather, that they open up the form of discussion in a lighthearted manner. It's not like, well, I hate what you have to say. I'm completely against this. It's just like, huh, did you hear what that guy said? And then it could easily be segued into an actual legitimate conversation. That's why I know, like you mentioned earlier, like in the intro, like comedians that influence, this guy isn't necessarily on my top comedians list, but I think he's one of the more influential comedians. And that'd be like Jeff Ross. He's the roast master general. Whenever Comedy Central needs somebody to like shit on somebody's life, they hire this guy. And a lot of his stand-ups that he's done have primarily been making fun of and, in essence, like making light of the subjects that occur to us. Like some of his um, stand-ups were like the Patriot Act, where he literally flew th- uh, to Iraq and like made the. Um, the troops left. He roasted America, all the problems that we're having. He went to certain uh, prisons and roasted criminals and basically shat on the criminal system, the judicial system. He went on to straight up roast cops in relation to Black Lives <laughs> Matter. He went on to to like Texas to shit on the border to make light of, you know, President Trump's wanting to, you know, build that wall. He, although he might not be like one of my top, top, top comedians, he's influential because (laughs) like he's going into these really rough conversations and he sheds (laughs) such a comedic light on it that you're like, man, he's, he's roasting cops about how they shoot people. (laughs) That's funny. And then it makes you reflect like, oh shit, these people are actually doing that. And it's very reflective. Yeah, I mean, and it, you know, it, it's crazy because comedians sold this fine line, right? Where, um, you know, they have to. It, it's a, it's a science. It's not just like, oh, ha ha ha, I can say what I want about a subject and people are going to laugh at it. No, we're ve- especially now we're we're a very sensitive culture, you know, like as as, as a whole, you know, you know whether you know they call like let's just say like. You know, I would say even Republicans, right? They call us snowflakes, but they, you know, they don't want us making fun. Like they don't want comedians making fun of them or their beliefs or their views. Uh, and, and you know, they get butt hurt too, just as much. I think we're all snowflakes, you know what I mean? To a certain degree. I mean, and that's not something that, I mean, and, and that's not, you know, I'm, I'm only using the vernacular that's being used in, um, you know, the mainstream media to, to, to portray something. It doesn't make you a snowflake. It makes you a human. It makes you a person. Like the thing is, there are things that we feel that we are, you know, we put our our hearts and our souls into that we think that, you know, we think that we're perfect at certain things. We think that we're good at certain things and we did that certain things don't evolve, don't necessarily need to change, right? There are certain individuals who really believe that. There, you know, on the opposite side, there are people who think that, hey, 
the whole system needs to change. And there are certain things that are inherently unfair for, you know, a certain uh, certain sect of, of the population. Um, yeah. And that's not all that is true. You know, all that is true. Things do need to change. Things do need to get better. And, you know, if we're going to be one nation of all individuals who um, who have respectable thoughts and feelings and also different perceptions and different views about how we, you know, see our society, there has to be somewhere where we meet in the middle. Um, you know, and I think comedians at this point, they're, they're, they're the ones who kind of keep us accountable in that. However, you know, the, the accountability works both ways, doesn't it? Like it also, it also works in a sense that, you know, there, you know, the people are very outspoken about things that they don't think are funny. Um, there are people who, well, no, I'm glad you said that because you mentioned earlier where like comedians, they kind of need like a deft hand when touching certain subjects. Like they can't just say crap. And it's going to land. Yeah. Think back uh, how many years ago when uh, Michael Richards, the guy that played Cosmo Kramer, was doing stand-up. Oh and Homeboy was just dropping N-bombs like it was nothing. And the whole audience just went up in arms against him. So much so well, that like South Park parried it. They made light of the situation to kind of like not necessarily pull back from it. But they were like, yo, this was such deep crap. That, like, we need to address it, which, again, talks to comedians of influence. You have, like, uh, what was it, Matt Stone and Trey Parker? Is that their names? The two guys that created South Park? Bless you. Yes. Like, you you have the two gentlemen that created South Park. Like, they're clever enough to put forth the satire and make it approachable that it can be discussed and even laughed at. Yeah. For, for what? What season are they on? Like 30? Jeez. No, no, no. Simpsons are 30. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. Simpsons are like 30. I want to say like South Park might be maybe 25-ish. I mean, and, and all right. But think about the, I mean, yes. Simpsons are on 30 on a major, you know, non-cable network. South Park, I, I mean, think 23. So they have to be the longest running cable episodic like show of its kind, right? Uh, I I don't quote me on that. I know Simpsons <laughs> are thirty one seasons, but South Park, yeah, twenty three. Twenty three. I mean, that's <laughs> twenty three. Um, <laughs> Inside jokes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it would be. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that yeah, that's that, that's an excellent point. Um, and to provide some context on the Michael Rich, Michael Richards situation, um, he had hecklers in the crowd. So he started off his comedy like, you know, normal. Um, I'm guessing that there was maybe a few, you know, as I said, I wasn't I wasn't there. But from the report, the way it said was there was uh, he had hecklers. Um, what, you know, his his hecklers happened to be black. Um, and um, he had made a comment to said heckler about um, what if what if I said the n word bam and let, you know let, let him have it said it bam and then he ran with it like you know people started laughing at first like because they were like all right cool I you know like he was using it facetiously but then like when they saw that his anger was getting attached to that word then it started sending a different signal and people started getting turned off by it um. 
you know, like it's. Well, he said it himself in an interview because I'm, I'm looking at it right now. When they interviewed him, it was I was at a comedy club trying to do my act and I got heckled and I took it badly and went to a rage. For me to be in a comedy club and flip out and say this crap, I'm deeply, deeply sorry. I'm not a racist. That's that's what's so insane about this. And it's just like, well, if you went to a rage and like you kind of went in blindly, like it, it kind of touches that. Like you're, you're dancing on that fence. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it really does. And I think, Rody, let me ask you, you know, do you, like, what do you think about, like, where Michael Richards stood? Like, where, like, was he, was he justified? Like, you know, like, <laughs> no. I know it's just, it's just like a popular question, but the thing is we also, we have to hear all sides of the story, right? So my take like, on it you, is that, if people laugh, you can kind of tell it's a joke. When people don't laugh, you can tell, like, it's kind of deep-seated and, like, not funny. And, like, I'll, I'll give you, a, for instance, in my own personal life. When I was at work one time, uh, somebody I was working with called me white trash. And their reason and justification for it was like, well, you got a ton of tattoos, so that makes you white trash. And nobody laughed. And when I approached this individual about it, they were like, oh, but I was cracking a joke. And my response to it was, nobody laughed. So is it really a joke if nobody found it funny? So in that regard, he was doing his stand-up and people heckled him. Which, again, crap happens. But I think that's really rude of the people in the stage. But how you react to a heckler shows your merit as a comedian. And his response to getting people crapping on his jokes was to basically call them an offensive term for African-Americans. Like, you didn't handle that well. It wasn't funny. And nobody left. So clearly it wasn't a joke. You weren't, like, trying to get them back. It was like, yo, you know what? You're black. I'm going to just use this in some pseudo-fake context and hope you guys laugh and no that's just gonna fuel the fire so do i defend what he did no not really (laughs) all right i mean yeah i guess when you put in that i mean defend what he did no um the other thing is i mean you know you weren't even using it like you weren't even using the n-word as part of your 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 stand-up like it was something that you had used it for in that moment yeah um which again as i said i mean you know, you, you know, you had the almighty Jerry Seinfeld who stood in, you know, who stood in his like defense, and I'm like, all right, you know, I get it. You know, at the same time, like, you know, it's your friend, and but, uh, you know, there, there, there should be a certain level of accountability for for certain for certain things. I mean, I think that being one of them, I think one thing we don't want to perpetuate is like, you know, you know, one thing we don't want to perpetuate is like this level of racism, right? I think that's something that's as a country we want to make sure that we're. At the same, at the same time, like it's it's just different. It's hard. It's a hard thing, right? I mean, because the thing is, like you're you know you're caught up between, um, you know, you're caught up between like being a uh, you know being a comedian and like pushing those boundaries, but at the same time, like you kind of have to know where the line is. I think there are certain there, there are certain topics that I think that 
won't be considered funny um, for for a long time, you know. And I think that you know, I, I, I think we've, you know, people have gotten creative with Holocaust jokes. Um, oh, very much so. <laughs> they've gotten, but they they got creative in dancing around Holocaust jokes. You know what I mean? It's not, and the thing is that you can't make a direct one without some level of offense to it. I and I th- I think it's mm-hmm. a level of tact, though. It's it's all about how you approach it. Like in that instance, using Michael Richards as that example, like. He was doing his stand-up. Somebody heckled him, and his response was to go into, like, a racial tirade. Exactly. However, I think if you have a deft enough hand and you kind of approach the topic in an appropriate manner, you might mm-hmm. get the result and resolve that you're looking for. Like, it's not saying, like, oh, man – white comedians can't say this because X, Y, and Z are going to get offended. I'm pretty sure that was kind of like what Dave Chappelle kind of touched upon with his, uh, right. his alphabet community joke. We're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I, I want to say this, but I know people are going to get offended. So I'm going to say it anyway. Like you can say things, but you have to say it in such a manner that you know, it's a joke. Like Richards, even in an interview said he was saying this crap out of rage he was angry when he said it. So it wasn't said with humor behind it. It was said because he was pissed off. Like you and I have conversed for years and years and years and years and years. You know, when I'm cracking a joke, I'm cracking a joke, right? You know when I'm pulling your leg and when I'm not, I think the same is applicable to people in this field where like you can tell when somebody is cracking a joke and you can tell when they're not. And to kind of touch base on like what we were discussing earlier with Kevin Hart, like he he, in my genuine opinion, I thought he was just shooting the shit and just screwing around on Twitter. However, there's the horrible instance of not being able to sense emotion online. Like you can type something and you can't tell if somebody's being funny, serious, like sarcastic. It's hard to tell. So it was like, yo, you know what? You posted this 10 years ago. We're going to hold this against you. But, you know, to quote Heraclitus, you can't step into the same river twice. Kevin Hart's not the same guy he was 10 years ago. He's older now. He's more enlightened. He's got, like, family. He's got this. He's got that. Like, would he make that statement present day? Probably not. No. But to hold it against him? No. He was probably, in my opinion, I felt like he was just trying to, like, josh somebody and screw with them but that's how it it's, is it, yeah and, and you know so to, to to go back to to kevin hart um sorry dave chappelle's commentary on kevin hart's uh comments on twitter he you know he he was saying like clearly like and he was providing the context that clearly it was a joke like because the effort that you would have to go through to go and buy an actual dollhouse to throw it over a child's head <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you, you actually wouldn't do that. So um, he uh, clearly used their own toys and throw it at them. You already paid for that crap. <laughs> you abuse them with that crap. Right. That's but nobody wants to get beat with Hot Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to get beat with Hot Wheels because that's a fast track, right? I mean, but that's the point. Like, that's, a, that's, a, that's the point. I mean, the fact is we make, you know, we make all of, you know, it, Comedy is is so interesting. 
because it literally depends on who you are in the room with. It depends on, you know, the the individual's level of reception to what you say. It's so conditional. It really is. Oh, I mean, it's a very finicky career because as you were just saying, like it, it's all a matter. It's all subjective. Like, yeah. A, I got to know my room. B, I got to know like my material. Like I, I got to know every aspect to make sure like it's offensive, but not so much that people like get pissed by it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's true. And, and the thing is more people, and that's the other thing. I think more and more people are now like standing up for themselves and, you know, like saying that these, you know, these jokes about me aren't, aren't, you know, the truth about me or the truth about my people, or the truth about, um, you know, my, my particular sect in society. So it's very, very difficult right now to even make these styles of or these kinds of jokes because, you know, are people more sensitive or they're more, you know, self-advocating? Uh, you know what I mean? And I, I don't think that they're sensitive. I just think that they just advocate for themselves, but maybe not necessarily in the context of, you know, like you need to also kind of set a boundary of when you can be or when you shouldn't be. Like when I'm watching a comedy show, my sense of like me being like this, like, you know, proud Latin man or whatever, like I have to put that to the side because the thing is, if somebody makes a Puerto Rican joke, I'm not, I, I can't be easy, you know, I shouldn't be easily offended by it unless the context dictated that, you know, you really look down on me and my people. And have I gone through, have, have I, have I, you know, experienced that, you know, like, Yes, but I've experienced that more so in the context of having an individual conversation with someone than I did getting from like the a, a joke that was made on stage by a comedian. I think that's one of the main problems is like when people go to see comedians, comedians live, they should go in with a bot like with a grain of salt saying, hey, whatever I'm going through, whatever I might be about they could touch upon. And remember, like, you're a paying customer. Like, you knew what you were getting yourself into. Like, I could understand, like, bringing it back to um, earlier in the conversation in the podcast, I mentioned with Daniel Tosh. Like, if the girl I used to date, like, knew he talked about those specific subjects and then paid to go see him and then had, like, a giant conniption while at his performance, I would think to myself, like, you knew what you were getting yourself into. Why are you doing this? Like, you kind of got to know your target audience. You kind of got to know your target comedian. Like, there are certain comedians that, like, I'll listen to and it's just like, I know this is what I'm going to get out of them. Kevin Hart, I know I'm going to get a screaming guy that's going to talk about his family and his height. And sometimes him being black. Like, I know what I'm going to get myself into. So if he says something that doesn't agree with me, I can't be like, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen because I know that's what he does. Like most comedians, they have like a shtick. So it's it's hard to like feign ignorance when you know like that's kind of what they talk about. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that that that's very true. And I think, you know, I even go, I, I'll go, I'll go as far as take it a step further and say, that those comedians who, you know, you know, are are particularly, you know, known for their style of comedy, like they, you know, they're going to touch upon certain topics. Um, you know, like 
you know, that, that should be, you know, that should be a good thing, right? I mean, to a certain extent, the fact that, you know, like, to, you know, like, if a good comedian can say something about you, like, or, you know, like, you know, maybe a person like you, you know, like, um, you know, like, I, like, there, 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 you know, there are certain things that, that, that we have camaraderie about, you know what I mean? There are certain things that racially, like, or culturally we have, we had, there's something that, 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 that's inherent in us so that when we hear it, I mean, when we hear like, you know, like how, like, you know, like Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Mexicans are at a, at, at a party, let's just say, right. You know, like, yeah, well, you know, we're cool and we know how to have fun. <laughs> like I, I'll laugh at that, you know, cause that's funny. I, I, at the same time, like, you know, to outside perspective, you know, they'll say, you know, they'll say whatever, but at the same time, like you understand that there is, you know, if it's not done with such such hatred. The other thing is, let's also let's also bring it here. I think something that's really important to note is that comedians, they used to make fun of you. When you went to a comedy club, they pointed you out and actually made fun of you. Yeah, that was that that was the whole premise <laughs> of a roast. Like you'd go there knowing like you're gonna get shit on. Yeah. Comedians are more hesitant to do that nowadays because they don't know the faculties of uh, of a person. So the thing is, like, all right, so fine, let's go with something a little safer. Let's go with a generalization, right? Like, ha, huh, so we could all laugh at it together. People get mad at that, okay? All right, fine. What's next? Let's laugh at our nation, or our culture. Oh, that's too political. Let's not do that. I mean, so the, and then, all right, let's laugh at our world as a whole. Our world is going to shit. And, I mean, we're supposed to, you know, there's so many jokes that you can make of, you know, as, as you kind of like constrict the lines of what's acceptable, what can you make fun of at the end of the day? Yeah, no, right? that, like, that's what, that's what makes like being a comedian so hard. It's just like when one person says, oh, you can't joke about that, then it goes to, oh, you can't joke about that. Then what can you joke about? Like you, you mentioned it earlier about like, um, like Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Mexicans, all that joke. Dean Martin, classic comedian, singer, crooner, whatever you want it to be. He made a very prolific statement, which was, you only roast the ones you love. And I feel like that is very prevalent in a lot of comedian, like, material. Like, people will shit on America. And they're Americans. Like, yes, we're proud to be where we're from. But we do that because we love it. We know we can crack jokes about it. I know myself, I love my family to death. I make fun of my mother, father, brother, whoever. I will crack jokes all the time about them. It's because I have that love and respect for them that they know that I'm only busting chops, that I'm only saying this to get a laugh out of them, to make them smile. Not that I facetiously and viciously mean this. No, like it's it's said in jest. And I feel like a lot of people kind of lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Which in turn can actually cause a lot of comedians to get like awkward as it sounds, like get depressed. Like their their job title is com- comedy comedian, but they're depressed, and you could see that clearly in like Robin Williams, Mike Myers, oh. like Jim Carrey. Like they all got to that point where it was just like, "Yo, we're making you smile, but we're still miserable because like at the end of the day, like you're you're kind of crapping on what we do." And like they just can't take it anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It really is. Uh, just comedy as a discipline, you know. Like 
um, the mindset you have to be to be a comedian. Like, just think about just to be a comedian. Like, you can't be a successful comedian. You have to be a struggling one first. Like, you don't walk into it successful. You have to have a certain set of circumstances that has led you to, you know, like looking at the world in its shittiest form. And you have to make the fun. Like, you have to make the jokes. Because, quite frankly, you know that the world is not a, a, is a dismal place. That's your perspective or your perception as a comedian. Now, how do I share that? You know, how do I share my dismal perception of the world, right? Or my experiences of the world? And how do I make light of this? And how do I, how do I find the joy? How do I find the light in this? It's so interesting. Like, there, just as a, as a discipline, it's, it's so, it's fascinating. Yeah. No, I concur so with you. Getting into the comedians. Getting, right, exactly. Getting into the comedians themselves. We have some pretty, uh, uh, you know, amazing individuals. Like, and that's the thing. Like, you know, we, we take a look at entertainers, musicians, actors, comedians, and we all loop them into athletes. We all, and we all, you know, put them into this, like, bubble. Like, they have to be perfect individuals at every moment of every day. I assure you that the, you know, the less famous you are, the more fucked up shit you say in your real life. I promise you. You know what I mean? Like, I promise you. Like, the less accountability that there is on your on your social status, you can say whatever it is the fuck you want. If you're homeless, you have no filter. What well, you and got to lose your box, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, they, And it just goes up from there. You know what I mean? So now that we have platforms, you know, think about, you know, you can't be a doctor going out there saying whatever you want. You know what I mean? You can't be like, yeah, man, you know, you know, this week I injected bleach into my system was all cool, bro. You can't put that on Twitter as a doctor. Well, that, like, I feel like that's it. a whole different conversation. Like the, uh, the measure of accountability amongst professions, because you have X, Y, and Z people that are able to say whatever they want, but for like police officers, teachers, doctors, whatever it may be, they're kind of on this like weird veil of you can't say stuff, which makes yeah. comedians even that much more respectable because they have that privilege to kind of touch on all these subjects. That's why like they weren't on my top lists of like favorite comedians, but you give me like top comedians that like are influential that stir the pot and get shit going. You got like Trevor Noah, Stephen Colbert, John Oliver. I already said it earlier, Jeff Ross, yeah. hell, SNL, like specifically Tina Fey. Like, I feel like all of these people, all somehow or another, like through their craft, have found a way to be more influential than like the politicians or like politics that they're kind of joking on. And you've led me perfectly, actually, into my next conversation. I'm glad that you mentioned Trevor Noah and John Oliver specifically. Boom, look at that segue. That was amazing. Thank you. Because those are the exact individuals who I was going to bring up. Um, When I look at Trevor Noah and I look at uh, John Oliver, keep in mind that they both weren't native to this country. Right? They're so good with social commentary. And they're able to give such a perspective on us and our nation and our the state of our affairs keep in mind you know like they look at it in a sense like you know when, when i take a look at you know and it's crazy because we're, we've been talking mostly about stand-up and i want to keep it on stand-up but i'm going to go to john oliver's and trevor noah's shows respectively just because they've kind of become our news um 
you know, they, they become our form of, uh, of media or a form of, or, so the thing is when people look at it, they look at this type of like, they look at John Oliver and the daily show and they see like what, you know, his, his, you know, his, his comedy and stuff. Keep in mind. Oh, before I get into it, I'm not going to do that. Um, so yeah, when, when you look at John, uh, Trevor Noah, you see this like thing, you're like, you know, like, all right, great. Like I'm, you know, I'm understanding the world a little bit differently because these are all based on, these are all facts. You know what I mean? These are all like, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, that Trevor Noah is doing, like, yeah, of course they're jokes. And maybe maybe a few things are exaggerated, but these come from real situations and real places. Like, this is real. Like, you know? Um, and then you have John Oliver who has, I mean, HBO, and he takes the gloves off when he... I, one, one of the things that John Oliver wants to do as, 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 a, as a late-night talk show host, he wanted to take things out. You know, he wanted to show that the country... Uh, still needed to like pick things up or still needed to like address certain things. Um, however, it's the things that they're not talking about on the news. He wanted to go in a different way. However, like just because of how the news has gotten, how so compelling it's gotten and how we've gotten to these times politically where, um, you know, you have, you know, you have like a pandemic, you have, um, you have the, you have a, you know, a polarizing president, to say the least. You have all of these different aspects, right? Um, that you know, these things can't be ignored. You know, like, and quite frankly, like, we only listen or we only hear to the information that we choose to 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 receive. So it's so interesting that he, you know, he and others have taken the reins and kind of just like gotten, you know, have gotten have gotten to take this platform where like they've kind of become. And I'm going to Dave Chappelle on this one. Have kind of become the um, the social justice warriors that we've kind of, you know, that we did not expect. You know, like they, you know, they, they, they because they were expected to be comedians and just stay in their own lane and just like talk about comedy, bring light to certain things, right? But now they're kind of like facilitating movements to a certain degree. Like you have John Oliver who's having you call your senators to to change the law. Or you have, you know, you have Trevor Noah who's doing almost the same thing. You have, and then you have, um, coming from that same cloth, I'm going to go back to Hassan Minaj, doing the same thing. And if you see how how comedy has gotten in this pandemic era, comedy is no longer funny. Yeah. No one's laughing. <laughs> like, our, our comedians aren't laughing. They're trying to tell us some very serious things. So when, you know, it's like, we try to tell you in this respect and you're not getting it or you're not understanding where we're coming from. This is right now we're in a, we're, we're in a state of emergency. And I think we need to start facilitating some change for people of color to integrate them properly into society. That's well, what they're doing. To, to like kind of touch upon and like, cause I stated that earlier, he was one of like one of my top quote unquote five favorite comedians, Bo Burnham in like 2016 uh, when he interviewed with Rolling Stones, kind of like talked about politics all this and that all that jazz and when they said you tend to not bring things like politics into your performances how have you been following the election and mind you this is 2016 have you Mm -hmm. ever been tempted to make jokes about trump his response was this i think that it was a huge appeal that people didn't realize was that he was a good television performer he realized that the camera is in a close-up and he should act for the camera and he did it I wish that it wasn't a thing. I wish CNN didn't look like ESPN. You know, I wish that all of these points about entertainers and celebrities weren't relevant, but they are. 
And it brings a remarkable point forward. It's just like um, there was a meme going around. I don't remember when, but there was where it says it's a scary world when comedians talk about politics and politicians are comedians. And (laughs) it kind of juxtaposed how like we have so many satirical like comedians out there that are touching upon serious issues. But we have politicians that are taking everything like a joke. Like, don't get me wrong, we're we're in America, you and I, he is our president. We may not like what he does or says, but he still is our president. But the, the shit he says is very clownish. Like, he says things in such a joking manner that you think to yourself, like, professionally, that's not cool. Like, in our respective fields, if we had said that, our asses would be shit-canned. We'd be fired in a heartbeat. But this is, yeah, like we got Louis C.K. out here having girls watch him crank one out, but he's, you know, allegedly raped people and he's up for another election. Like, so it it gets to that point where, like, it's gotten so scary out in the real world that you need comedians to kind of lighten the load of what we're dealing with. And they're prevalent. They're needed in our general society to get us through this. Look at – and again, I'm going to bring up another comedian that I was very partial of, which is still prevalent to what's going on right now. Donald Glover, 2018. He came out with the song, This is America. Mm. That was such a prominent song because like Childish Gambino, Donald Glover's alter ego, his rapping alter ego – that he got through like a Wu-Tang like generator. He created this entire song about how America is so shitty to African-Americans. And like we, well, I won't say we, certain people took it with a grain of salt. Other people were like, yo, this guy is a genius. Look at him advocate. But like, it was such an upbeat song that, even his song was satirical. Like you have this banger, this like knee slapper of a song, but behind it was all this pain and suffering. Like the opening scene was a dude getting shot in the head and then Donald Glover cleaning the gun off and handing it to somebody else and they get arrested. And then there's like him dancing with school children with violence in the background and like everybody getting gunned down in the choir. Like there was so much shit going on. And it's just like, yo, this dude's a comedian. He's an actor. And this is what he's producing. And it made us all listen. And it says something about us as people that we're listening to the comedians more than everybody else. Because they're presenting it to us in such a delivery system that we can swallow what they're presenting. You know, let's. I think one thing that's interesting here, Rody, I'll, I'll tell you this. Here's something that's interesting, something I just like thought up really fast. Um, when we talk about these things, right, you know, like This Is America is a very, very great track for the sole fact that it shows the deep-rooted like intricacies of what happens in the hood, what happens with the, you know, like what happens surrounding that, right? Like it, it kind of goes, it's almost a layer system, right? Where you're like, Oh, you see, like, what happens domestically, but you also kind of see what happens abroad. Like, this is something that, 
you know, like, like people of color, we tend to, you know, we tend to, to forego our fellow man to our fellow woman or, um, you know, like to, to, um, raise ourselves or to make sure that we stay, you know, keep our heads above water. We put people down or whatever. All right, fine. That's one. The other aspect is, you know, like as a, as a civilization, how, you know, how, how, how they're seen, how they're viewed by the, by, by the general public, especially by the police system. You see that in, in, in that video. Right. And then you see all these things and it's crazy because at that point, right. You all like we've seen, and then of course you also see like, you know, like, how violent and how ugly things can get in our nation. Um, with all that said, I, you know, like when I, you know, when you see when you see America, you see, you know, the land of opportunity, home of the free, land of the brave, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think there, there there's some truth to that. Um, you know, this is the land of the brave. I think something that's interesting is no one, you know, no one, no, you know, like we see things in a bubble, like where they are in context. And unfortunately, you know, we've, we see like, you know, we, there has been people who have been doing this for many, many years, Right who've tried to kind of like send these signals to other people to let them know like, Hey, this is what, what this is what people are going through. Um, and to kind of like get people to, to, to rise above and try to, you know, try to try to create some type of semblance of equity. However, um, you know, like this time, I think these times are so much like think about 2016 and relevance to 2020. Right. Just think about it. It is so different. Um, you know, this this time is like the accountability is different. Like we've been, I think now more people are listening than ever. Now, where you know, where that goes, we don't know. We're not, you know, I, I'm not a fortune teller. I wish I, I wish I could say that things are going to get better from here things at least for the for the moment will be better however i think something that comedians have done right or like your know, artists and just in general but most of comedians they've done they've you know they've told you what it was like to be them you know like whether you know in different we haven't even talked about enrique iglesias right <laughs> we haven't even talked about fluffy um, who's not even like my favorite comedian by any metric? Gabriel Iglesias, Enrique, isn't he the singer? Ah, uh, you're right. You got me. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say you you don't disrespect Fluffy like that. Come on now. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. Everybody makes look. Mistakes, if it so. means anything though, Enrique Iglesias, great singer. Fluffy, <laughs> maybe not so much, but you know what? He's definitely got the moves. He's. Yes, he's, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, the biggest, like, you know, Gabriel Iglesias fans, I guess you can obviously tell, but. <laughs> no, I like him. Don't get me wrong. I like him, but like, I feel like a lot of his jokes are like the same note. It's just like, yo, I'm a thick Mexican 
hey, cabron, I got this. And it's just like, wait, I'm sorry. Did you just tell me the same joke the same time, but just like at a different platform? Yes, I did. <laughs> it's almost like Kevin Hart, but, you know, say lovey. I mean, right. And But that's the other thing, right? Because, again, going back, you know, going back to Kevin Hart, Gabriel Iglesias is the same thing. Like, you know, they, they built a brand for themselves. And unfortunately, like when you build a brand, you become that quote unquote mainstream character. Like there are certain things that you kind of have to suppress Um, and suppressing your true feelings. Think about that. That's a hard thing to do, especially with that platform. Um, I look at, you know, I look at comedians now like with a whole different light than I did when I was younger because I used to look at them. I used to look at them as people who made me laugh. Now I have them as people who kind of like check me in a way. So to quote Gabriel Iglesias, he can be your hero, baby. <laughs> LOL. Uh, yeah, see, I, I can I can be an asshole too. Nice. Well done. <laughs> well, done. Uh, well played, Enrique. I, I know the difference now, okay? I'm back. Mm. So, <laughs> but no, like comedians, they have that ability, even like those that probably shouldn't approach the topic still do. Like um, I mentioned earlier, Louis C.K., one of my top five in his stand up chewed up, which came out in 2008. So almost over a decade later, he uh, in in the stand up, he talked about time travel and he was like, yo, it is freaking amazing to be like a white guy. And being able to time travel. And they were like, well, why? And he's like, I'm glad you asked. And he's like, well, as a white guy, I can travel anywhere in time and I am on top. And then, like, he kind of goes in depth about, like, where certain ethnicities would land time wise in this time travel and, like, how sometimes you could do, like, a certain task and you could see it in a certain way. And it does touch upon it, but. He does it in such a manner that it doesn't seem offensive. Like, yeah, it's going to touch upon very sensitive subjects, but he such, says it in such a light that it's 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 welcoming. Like, you're like, oh, I get it. Like, yo, that, that stuff was messed up. But it wasn't, yeah. like, innately offensive. And Almost like... Yeah, please. Almost like how they did it on The Daily Show where they, you know, where, where they do like uh, they have the characters such as Stephen Corbett or Jordan Klepper that, that has the, you know, like that that semblance of like Republican white privilege. And they have like they they they, they, they satirize it. Right. Where they make it so where they make it funny. But at the same time, you realize that, holy shit, you know, like something like white privilege does exist. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're like, oh, wow, I can actually see it. Because this is how they laid it out to me. Yeah, literally. That entire skit that Louis C.K. did and chewed up was all about white privilege. He was like, yo, I can go literally anywhere in time and I'll be golden. He's like, and then I think he looks into the crowd if memory serves and just goes, definitely not you, sir. And he definitely pointed at somebody that was not of his complexion. (laughs) And you could tell, like, he said it like clearly he pointed at that one person just to get that haha factor from the whole like audience. But he was also being very serious. Like, dude, like seriously, if you ever, ever, ever went back in time, like run, 
because you're you're, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be friendly to you. Yeah, and that's not. It's the truth. It's not even like it's not even like ha ha ha. No, like for real. Like if I went back in time fifty years ago, I probably would not be. He's like I'd, I'd probably, probably see you at the front of the bus if it means anything. <laughs> and that's what yeah. that's what makes comedians so special is that they have that power. They have like literally within them innately to say like I can touch upon anything and try to bring it to light. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so prolific that we have all this, all of these um, like satirical comedians that bring to our attention all of the injustices and all the things that are messed up in the world. Like I haven't watched SNL in a very long time, which you know, shame on me. But like the weekend updates. Those were just absolutely remarkable because they've been doing them for years, clearly. But they'll like touch upon things that have actually happened and then try to put like a a little bow tie on it and say like, hey, it's not that bad and just crack a joke. And it kind of takes away from the severity of real life. And it is like a form of escapism where it's just like, you know what? There are some really crappy things happening outside, but here's the silver lining. Like we we get to say like huh, imagine if it was that and there's that punchline to it, right? right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, before I finish, I don't want I don't want to neglect any of the the greats such as Richard Pryor, who was you know obviously a legend in his own right, and I think that you know is the almost catalyst for a lot of like famous comedians of color these days, um, and I, again. Even if, even an influence on someone like George Carlin. Think about that. Richard Pryor has his place in, in history, and you know, topical um, brought those same issues to light. You know, for the seventies, brought that fun and that relational humor uh, that involved Caucasian and, and and you know and black audiences together uh, under one roof. And I think he was amazing at that. Um, a lot of you know, of course, a lot of comedians are definitely like you know influenced by it. I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about Richard Pryor. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put him on that scale. Um, just like to a certain extent, I don't even think it would be fair to put Michael Jordan on the scale of like best basketball players of all time. You know what I mean? You don't do it. Um, I mean, you do, of course, obviously, but you always put him as number one regardless. Because, because um, he is. But you know, that, that, that's a different <laughs> podcast for a different day, ladies and gents. Different podcast. Yo, we, I, I can go. I can give you a dissertation on Michael Jordan, but I'm not going to do that right now. Let's. <laughs> That's, um, you know, as, as I said, I, and th- that's the other thing, like, has there been better, like, has there been, in my opinion, more funnier comedians since Richard Pryor? Yes. You know, like, t- to be honest, I think George Carlin is hilarious. I think George Carlin's a really funny comedian. I think Dave Chappelle is one of my favorite comedians of all the time. And I would even go as far as his Chris Rock, Chris Rock is up there too. Um, so there is, you know, as I said, I think like, but he was the standard that everybody else had to evolve. You know what I mean? Like he, 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 he was a turning point and that he, to me, he's uh you know, like he's somebody who as much as, even though I may have a favorite, that's not Richard Pryor. You always have to credit Richard Pryor because he was the influence for a lot of these comedians who are out there currently. Um, we got, I mean, Eddie Murphy. I mean, he was known as one of the best comedians at one point. I, we, we mentioned him briefly. Um, you know, I, I, I almost like, 
in a very almost literal sense, I look at him as the Michael Jackson of uh, of stand up comedy, right? From the way that he dressed. Yeah, yeah, you can't deny that leather. You can't <laughs> deny that, that, that leather, man. It was there. <laughs> uh, but you know, Raw and Delirious are two of my favorite, like you know, two of my favorite things to almost reference. Sometimes, like they're just you know, he was he was just super funny. And keep in mind, you know, like, we shit on, you know, poor, you know, like, Kevin Hart got shitted on, like, his, like, jokes on Twitter about, um, you know, homo- like, like homosexuality or, or, like, if you thought his son was gay or whatever it was. Like, you know, however, keep in mind, and, you know, Dave Chappelle is getting crapped on for a lot of, a lot of stuff that he says, but keep in mind, like, Eddie Murphy, when known as one of the best comedians of all time, right, for that decade, for that era, he was saying a lot of not favorable things about gay people. If you remember. Well, no, that's that's comedians in general, though. They all say, like, non-favorable, like, just, just a, they, they paddle against the wave, and that's what makes them remarkable, is that in their profession – they're literally called upon to make those statements, to say those things that, like, maybe the other party might not be openly willing to say, and saying it in such a manner that it's comical. And then saying, well, you know what, I see what those people might be saying, and here's another side to it. And they're, they're the balance that we need because they're so prevalent and saying, like, look, I see your perspective, and I see your perspective. And here's a comical side to both of them. So at least we could all meet in the middle and say, like, look, we can all laugh about how messed up this is and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is it, you know what? I'm going to reference one of my favorite jokes. If we, we're talking about the weekend update. Um, it came from Michael Che. Okay. Oh, so one of the more recent ones. Yeah, I think Michael Che. I think Michael Che is funny too. Um, but one of my favorite jokes from Michael Che that he came up with in one of his standups was he was talking about Black Lives Matter. Okay, and and he was like, and he was saying how you know how even that, even that is a struggle for for certain people to under, understand matters we set the bar so low right like we didn't say like are more important than we didn't say all these other things we said matter black lives matter (laughs) and we and even that got shitted on and he 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 went on to go about all lives matter and everything from that point but just the semantics of like knowing that like you know a group of individuals who were marginalized throughout history you know like you like you're like i like we choose you know to to, for our movement or for our statement we choose matter as our as our word because we want to be important we want to be in that conversation we want to we want to be protected under the rules of law you know that's that's not that's not an unfair request. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, like, no. I I, have, <laughs> I absolutely concur with you. Like I've had to sadly explain this to several people that I know, and every single time it's just like, but 
black people get this and white people don't get this. And I'm just like, and you don't get it. Like, <laughs> and you don't get it. <laughs> and you don't get it. It's just like, look, white people, us crackers, we get all that chatter. Like, we are fucking ritzy right now. Yes. And they're the Walmart brand. Like, they're the, the people that just don't get acknowledged. They're like, oh, oh, okay. Like, it needs an upper echelon to emphasize it. And that's where comedians come in. I don't think black people at Walmart, because Walmart gets their due, man. They get their money. I mean, you know, black people are small businesses. You know what I mean? That's what that's what they are. Like, the individuals who, like, at the first sign of danger, they have no protection to to, to keep them afloat. Um, Look, I was just that, trying that, to make an analogy, if you want to go in-depth with that. <laughs> God damn, we can make that another podcast, but what the <laughs> fuck? Like, I was just trying to make a juxtaposition, and you're going here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubled down on that juxtaposition is what happened. <laughs> oh, and, and that's why you have Rody and Randall. Like, you know, you have the two perspectives. Yeah, you, you can't have one without the other, you know? You got the cheddar and the queso, uh, the cracker and the queso, rather. <laughs> the cracker and the queso. <laughs> Even though I hate cheese, why do you compare me to fucking queso, asshole? Because I'm a cracker. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> God damn, son. I can't, I, couldn't be... I can't help that I'm pale and dry <laughs> i couldn't be a chicharron or a, or a uh, salami or something all right shit got weird now uh, let's bring it back <laughs> <laughs> mm. so yes um we you know i look at you know i look at comedy man with with, with the lens that you know obviously we're going to you know, we're going to keep checking like comedians and, you know, obviously people are going to, you know, be funny and they're not going to be funny. Um, that's what's going to happen. It's a natural state of things. I'm not saying to laugh at every comedian that there, that there is to have. Um, what I am saying, though, is that there are a select, you know, pocket of comedians who have given us the opportunity to kind of see the world in a more holistic manner. Um, there is a sensitivity that there has not been before in society. But that sensitivity isn't snowflakes. That sensitivity is people who are self-advocating. So we are proud of those individuals. But I think we all need to take things in context. If somebody is saying something in a comedy special that's funny or if somebody is saying something in a comedy special that's bringing light to, to your scenario that you don't particularly agree with, you're entitled to feel that way. However, you know, one thing is, I mean, one thing I like to do, I think, as even as a listener, like, read the room. Like, you know, like, I understand, you know, like, how has this resonated with people abroad? Like, how has this, like, resonated with, you know, like, what was the impact from what this person has said? Um, you know, like, sometimes you, sometimes, you know, you have to know that the comedian, like, themselves didn't mean to say something in that way. Um, I, yo, by the way. I, I think they also the should way. acknowledge that it's not personal. Because I feel yeah, like no. a lot of times when 
whenever I hear of incidents where, like, stand-ups get heckled and, like, jokes go awry, whatever it may be, I feel like a lot of the times, like, people feel like it's directed at them, and it shouldn't be, because I, I feel like there was an issue, um, what was her name, um, Amy Schumer, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. She had a heckler at one of her stand-ups, and instead of, like, handling it like most comedians or comedians would, she just went, ha, 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 get him out, and she, like, kicked him out of the fucking stadium. And it was uh, one of those things where it was just like, it wasn't like the statement may not have been directed at that individual, but their retort may not have been directed at you. And to mm. do things of that nature, it just kind of takes away from everything because like, as we've been stating throughout the entire podcast, it was just like, yo, None of this is actually towards you or whatever credence, sect, whatever you might be a part of. Like, it's all being satirical. It's all a joke. It's all being touched upon lightly. So, and uh, yeah, no, please go. No, I wasn't even going to go as far as to take it a step further is the fact is like sometimes like the like the cultural or like the the you know like the the oh shit i can't believe he's about to talk about this subject or that she's about to talk about the subject aspect is like a complete misdirection from the punchline and you're like oh shit he's about to get here or they're about to get there and like all of a sudden it's like oh that's where you were going with this right sometimes like you know you know they, they clench your butthole a little bit on purpose to try to you know whatever their whatever their punchline is to to, to resonate to to, to to bring that like into 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 um, into the story. Yeah, no, I concur with you because well, like a- there's so many times where like like I I've been to a singular comedy show because like to pay for it okay. it's not my thing, but Got it. I've seen so many videos of people like trying to retort back to comedians and it's just like mm. why yeah like why you're not a, you're not a comedian yourself you're not funny so don't do it <laughs> like at this point like if you're responding out loud that's just because you're being like and i hate to say it, you're being a karen f- fucking karens mm. stop it yep. like we don't want to hear from your manager right now just like Thanks. you paid to hear this guy or girl do their spiel let them do it. Yeah, facts. For real. I mean, it's the truth. Um, you know, like, as I said, you know, like, when someone, like, telling a comedian your life story or, like, giving them context is something that, that, that was part of their material, like, why? Like, who cares? No one knows you. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be like... It, that gives you know, them more material. You- At that point, it's just like... Oh, so you don't like abortions? How many times has a coat hanger been inside of you? And it's just like, oh, but you walked into it. Like, like you're doing it to yourself. And it just, like, I don't, I don't feel pity for those people that like heckle, but. Right. I mean, listen, I mean, they shouldn't get called 
you know, they, they shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't get called the N word because of it. Facts. I mean, I'll say that. But like, if you're doing it tastefully, you're going to defuse them. I mean, the thing is, I mean, comedians expect hecklers. They do. I mean, that's something that they're a good comedian is prepared for that. Um, as I think Dave Chappelle, or Dave Chappelle, or other subsequent comedians. I think uh, who else? Who else is really really good with that? Um, well, no, there are a lot of comedians that are great with hecklers. Like and, Anthony Jeselnik is awesome with it. Like you, yeah, no, he uh, he takes that with a grain of salt, and then some. Like you can Jeff sh- Ross, right? You can shit Jeff on Ross him, Ross. and he will just be like, "Okay, thank you very much. Uh, you're a piece of that shit." Is, and it's just like, yo, you know what? I am a piece of shit. Thank you for saying it in such a manner. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean. But I mean, <laughs> I think that's you know that's the thing with us as 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 a people. I mean, I think we're all self-important, and sometimes I think sometimes we gotta take ourselves out of these situations. Like when it comes to somebody who's like co- doing comedy on stage, they don't know you directly. Like why they're not talking to you specifically. Um, but you know, as I said, I mean, like if they're, I mean, you know. I, you know, if, if you're a comedian at a KKK rally, then fuck you. You know what I mean? I'm going to say that out loud. I mean, I'm going to denounce, like, racism, of course. But, um, like, yo, there's some things that are just like, well. Oh, going back to Amy Schumer, she shouldn't kick somebody off for having their own opinion. She should have been more prepared. That's on her. Um, well, but- again, that's Amy <laughs> Schumer. But, um, again, she stated in her stand-up that she could take a punch, but apparently she can't take a punch line. So... Ooh. Ooh, shots fired. Come at me. I can definitely beat you in a roast battle. Just saying. Ooh. Yeah, listen, don't have don't have Uncle Chuck come there, man. Stop. No, things are happening. You, you, you ain't trying to you trying to you ain't trying to have Uncle Chuck like, you know, get at you right now. Things are happening. <laughs> See, it's all about delivery and punch, children. That's all that's all it's about, everybody. Just having a good time. If you're able to do it in jest, then chances are it's good comedy. And the thing is, as I said, I mean, you know, like knowing sometimes that your joke probably was funny, but you just delivered it to the wrong audience or at the wrong time. Uh, I've been guilty of that <laughs> a couple times in my life uh, where I said the wrong, like, I thought it was hilarious. I just didn't read the room, you know? And maybe a week later, if I would have said it, it would have been funny if it was topical. But as you know, as I said, like you know, you gotta make sure that you pick and choose your right moments. Mm. With that said, um, we've spoken about so much today. Uh, we want to make sure that we respect the time that we have. It has been uh, it's been over an hour and a half that we did this podcast, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, we'll continue, Rody. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're here with me. Um, I appreciate your time today. I thought you were fantastic. Oh, stop uh, it. You're such a flatterer, you. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I mean, you know, thank you for giving us another perspective. You know, as I said, like, saying so, saying that Dane Cook is, is, is your one of your favorite comedians <laughs> is a brain Son move, of a bitch. Right? <laughs> Son of a bitch. He did it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I commend your bravery. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> You know what? You get no Sufi, no super fingers for you. None of it. <laughs> oh, man. But, hey, it's been fun today. Um, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave your our, our listeners with, Rody? I'd say, like, I'd have some final thoughts. But at the end of the day, they're comedians. It's in their job title. Comedy. 
they're there to make people laugh. What makes people laugh is subjective. So if they say or do something that does not make you laugh, maybe they're not the comedian for you. Maybe you could open your eyes to something that might make you laugh. Because I've had some crap in my life that's made me a little depressed that I prefer to not talk about. I hear it in context and out of context. Depending on the person, it makes it a lot better. So pick your poison. Do what you got to do. That's right. Absolutely. And always remember, there's a little Joe Coy in all of us. Oh, Joe Coy. He's another good one, too, by the way. I know we're trying to close up right now, but Joseph, Joseph, do what you got to do, Joseph. <laughs> I'm sure some of our listeners would be like, oh, thank goodness you didn't forget him. <laughs> no, he he was on like my like honorable mentions top five. But Joseph, you do what you got to do, Joseph. Oh, <laughs> uh, Remember that, everybody. Oh, man. And uh, as, as I said, I mean, special shout out to, hey, listen, if you get up on stage, by the way, Ali Wong definitely deserves to do. If you get up on stage, you know, pregnant twice and still be funny, I mean, you definitely deserve some whatever accolades you receive because she is hilarious at the same time. Um, not nice. And I, and I and I really appreciate that. Don't be nice, please. I, I, I I'd be disappointed to find out that Ali Wong is a nice person outside of real life because she's fucking hilarious. Keep up, keep up the great work. Um, with that said, though, I I appreciate your time. Um, this has been another edition of Open the Box, Step Out of It. I'm Randall, and of course, I'm joined with my really close, really staunch best friend, Rody. Um, and it has been an amazing day today. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, guys.